And we're back. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Season 6, episode 1, this is the B-Block. Ladies and gentlemen, coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Hey, Joel, I'm doing good. I'm coming at you live, as usual, from Brooklyn, New York. Uh, just a couple of things to top up this episode. I forgot to mention last episode on the A Block that Joel chose this walk-up song of We Didn't Start the Fire by Billy Joel because he wanted everyone to know that he did not fly to Australia over the holiday and light the fires in the bush out there. It's like very important for him that oh, you all know he is not responsible for that. Right. I'm trying to just, you know, deflect any suspicion away from myself. I don't right. want you guys, our loyal listeners, to get the idea that I might have started any fires. Right. Because I did not start the fires. Yeah. If this was like NFL offseason ESPN, they'd probably be speculating that Joel had started the fires in Australia. But right. he did not. I did not, and that's why I don't deserve a first to be selected in the first round. Right, yeah. Because exactly. I'm an arsonist. <laughs> because he's not an arsonist. Because <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I am not an arsonist. What he meant to say is that he is not an arsonist. <laughs> yes. Save. Um, and the other thing I would like to say is that Billy Joel probably thinks that the New York Jets and the New York Giants are New York football teams. Oh, when, yeah. in fact, they are not. No. They are from New Jersey. Billy Joel, he's also from New Jersey. Is he? Yeah, pretty sure. He's a big New York guy. He's a big New Jersey guy. We're going to have to Google this. And yeah, settle. Well, I mean, he's, but he's like big New York. Right. Like, he's like, has a residency at Madison Square Garden. Here's my, here's my hunch, is that Billy Joel tells people he's from New York, but he grew up in Hackensack. Right, just like yes. the Giants. The Giants. <laughs> and the Jets. <laughs> the Giants, the Jets, and Billy Joel, all right. from New Jersey. Yes. <laughs> that, that's what's happening. And Chris like Christie. from Queens. Yeah, Google that. I feel like he's from East Rutherford. Right. Yeah. All right. While Sam Googles that, ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for tuning in. Tonight, we're going to try to resurrect um, a little ditty that we started last season in season five, a thing that we like to call the B-Block Book Club, where one or both of us reads a sports, preferably baseball-oriented book, and then give a middle school-style book report about it. So for tonight's episode, um, over the holiday when I was not in Australia, I read a book called Seasons in Hell by Mike. Just to be Klopka. clear, not in Australia. Not he was not, um, in not in Australia. When I lighting read books on fire and throwing them into the bush. Exactly, Dave the Koalas. Um, have you figured out where Billy Joel is from yet? No, I'm working on it. Yeah. Um, so this book, Mike Shropshire, this book was actually written in 1996, and Mike Shropshire was a, a sports journalist for the uh, Fort Worth newspaper, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram 
in the born nation. in the Bronx. Oh, you were right. You were no, right. Well, I said Queens. Yeah. They grew up in Long Island. Oh, interesting. Long Island. That's. I would not say. I would say that's not interesting. I would say that's like <laughs> the least interesting place to grow up, actually. But technically, legally, still New York. Right. Also, probably not the least interesting place to grow up. That's unfair. That's unfair to like Central Florida. Right. <laughs> no, there's like alligators and shit. And yeah. Okay. That's. It's unfair to Central Ohio. There you go. Yeah. Gainesville. Looking right. at you, Cincinnati. Oh, you don't, you don't take cheap shots at Cincinnati. <laughs> the pro Cincinnati podcast, man. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> All right. So this book, Seasons in Hell, is about the with the the subtitle reads with Billy Martin, Whitey Herzog, and the worst baseball team in history the 1973 to 1975 Texas Rangers. Now, I'm going to kind of spoil the ending here in the sense that I thought this book was okay. I would give it, like, a B. Three out of those. Okay. The the back of the... Yeah, maybe a C. Yeah, that's like average. 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 Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. I'll give it, like, a C. Maybe uh, is like above average. Yeah, so definitely a C. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the blurb on the back describes it as a riotous, candid, and irreverent behind-the-scenes account in the tradition of the Bronx Zoo and Ball Four following the Rangers, blah, 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 blah. I would not call it riotous or irreverent. Right. I, but having not read those other books, you couldn't say that it was not in the same tradition. tradition. As them. Yeah. Well, I've got Ball Four. It's on my reading list. If that, if that is also in the tradition, if if that is as irreverent as this is, I'm going to be disappointed in the history of <laughs> baseball literature. Yeah. <laughs> I think you know there's a lot of vignettes from Shropshire's three years covering the Texas Rangers. And and the interesting thing about it is, you know, a little background, the Texas Rangers were originally the Washington Senators, and they relocated in 1971 from D.C. to the Dallas area, to Arlington, Texas. Right. And basically, as a new-ish franchise, um, they were working on a penny budget. And so it's a real interesting question. I mean, there were interesting parts of this book. And an interesting question that I think it asks is, how does one, you know, make one of these fledgling, at the time, small market baseball teams without a budget work? Right. Or, you know, what what are the, the lengths that you go to? Um, so I thought that that was interesting. Um, but they weren't the worst team in baseball. Their second season, they did okay. So the the first hero of about the first third of the book, book is Whitey Herzog, because he was hired to be the manager of the Rangers in 1973. And he was hired by this guy named 
Schultz. Bob Schultz. And this is something, again, like the book makes the joke that Bob Schultz is actually quite tall, like right. 10 times. Like, that's the joke about Ono Bob Schultz. Cool. You know, Joe, this book might just be really good, just not aimed at you, pers- like your demographic. You know what that's I mean? That's possible. Why? Uh, well, I don't know. It just sounds like maybe like our fathers would love this book. You know what I mean? Like they'd be like, Bob Short, he's six three. <laughs> I definitely got that impression a couple of times. Yeah. There were some things where and you know, from kind of a a PC liberal perspective, where he's writing about the seventies from the nineties and telling jokes about like the women he met in bars. And I'm like, ha. Huh. Haha, <laughs> you definitely could not write that today. Right. <laughs> yeah. You're lucky this book wasn't a bestseller because you'd be in the hot seat right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, one of the blurbs is from um, radio sports guy Don Imus. Do you remember him? He actually just yeah, died he, uh, a couple of weeks ago, I think. Right, and he also got Me in Too, trouble. right? Something. Uh, I don't know if he got Me Too. He got in trouble for talking about black women's athletes' hair and how natty it is. Right. Like 10 years ago or something like that. Right, right, right. And then, but he made a comeback, right? Or no? And then he made a big comeback, yeah, on like... Like, on, like sat, on like satellite radio. Exactly. Like no yeah. rules. Yeah, exactly. exactly. You can be as racist as you want on satellite <laughs> yeah. radio. Or, or on podcasts. Yeah, right. <laughs> Say whatever you want. Nobody's listening. I did not start fires in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. For the record, Joe did not fly to Australia <laughs> to light the bush on fire. Exactly. So, yeah. Because so he, hate, he hates koalas. <laughs> <laughs> That's not what happened. That's not what happened. So, um, yeah. So, there were some scenes like that where I'm like, huh, at different times. So, I think you might be onto something about maybe I'm just the wrong demographic for this book. But right. some things I thought that were interesting. So the at the time, the Washington Senators were bought by a man named Bob Short, who was actually quite tall. And right. he made his fortune in trucking out of Minnesota. Okay. And interesting because that meant that he has all these connections to the Teamsters Union. Right. So there's all this suspicion that this is all just mafia money. Right. That... Bob Short from Minnesota is laundering to buy the Washington Senators and relocate them to Texas. Okay. And his, how much did he buy them for? Just out of that's curiosity. That's a really good question. Let me see if I can find that. Oh, um, Google that. Yeah, Google that because I because his character, at least in this book, he's a he's uh, really cheap. And he's only doing this to make a buck. He does not actually want to own a baseball team. His whole plan was to buy them, move them, and then sell them to some Texas chumps for a profit. Right. Kind of the baseball version of, like, venture capitalism, right? Like, buy a company... Scrap everything that you can off of it and then sell it to some suckers for a profit. 
Right. He would have bought them in 1971 and 1972. Okay. So, um, oh, here's a, yes, here's a, uh, oh no, this is just a whole paragraph talking about this one pitcher's penis size. (laughs) Small or large? Large. Large. Jim Bibby could also lay claim to owning the biggest apparatus of manhood in baseball, an appendage of near equine proportions. And it was to Bob Short's eternal frustration that he could never harness that particular novelty into a gate attraction at Arlington Stadium. A gay attraction? Gate. Oh, gate. Yeah. What have been a gate? D's, Joe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> D's and D's. <laughs> um, yeah. Huh. It could have also been a gay attraction, probably. Right. It would have been a gay attraction, right? Right. Look at our, our pitcher's massive dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Coming to the mound, Johnny Horsecock. <laughs> <laughs> so my last name's Bibby. Whatever, Horsecock. <laughs> Not anymore. Horsecock. <laughs> And then you just sell... It's Eastern European. Don't worry about it. You just sell dildo hats to everyone? (laughs) First first thousand fans get a hat with a dildo on top? Best part about podcasting is nobody's actually listening. That's not true. We have dozens of listeners a week. Here we go. He bought the Senators for $12 million. Damn! By okay. comparison, that was more than the Yankees were sold for in 1973. Right. Um, Arlington's whole card was Turnpike Stadium, a 10,000-seat park, which had been built in 1965 to house the AA Dallas-Fort Worth Spurs of the Texas League. It had been built to MLB specifications, and only minor excavations would be necessary to expand the park to accommodate major league crowds. And that's something that Shropshire talks about often, which is kind of funny, that they are literally playing in a double-A stadium. Right. And it sucks. But what was built to MLB specifications. Right. But it's it's a shitty stadium. Right. That, that all the players hate. Except the food was really good. Right. And Short actually bought the team and then... And then, like, shopped it around to different. He didn't have a base in Arlington, Texas. No, he, that the would mayor. The mayor got the team to come to Arlington, Texas, by offering to pay for the stadium. It looks like. And Short was just trying to sell the sell the team to somebody <laughs> else. Right. He was like trying to be a middleman, but it doesn't really work out well for him. At least right. not in this book. Let me read you this paragraph. Short's marketing scheme was entirely one-dimensional. Every night was something night at the ballpark. Bat night. They staged about five of those. Ball night. Cap night. T-shirt night. Rangers keychain night. Rangers calendar night. And yes, even Rangers pantyhose night. Guaranteed to yield fewer runs than the home team. Nice. (laughs) Right. That's the kind of that's the kind of irreverent, riotous comedy that this book is filled with. Well, it's interesting because that's like every stadium everywhere these days. Right. 
like <laughs> miniature bat night or like Jacob deGrom bobblehead night. Yeah, you know? it's all about the bobbleheads. And it sounds from this guy that short has a lot to do with that. Just trying to find reasons to get people to come watch a shitty baseball team in a shitty stadium in really hot Dallas, Texas. That's the other thing. Right. That he talks about that a lot. How, how hot it is. How hot it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, the hero of the first... So, his big sell is Whitey Hutzog. He gets short, who is actually quite tall, gets Hutzog to... to to be the manager of the team. And uh-huh. you get the idea that the author, Shropshire, really likes Whitey Hotog. And, like, Whitey Hotog is this, like, then guy who's put in a no-win situation. Right? right. Like, he's got shitty players and no budget to go get better players, and they have a shitty farm system. And he's just kind of, like, accepts it. And there are lots of scenes where the author goes to interview Whitey after they lose another game, and he's just sitting in his office, bare-ass naked, drinking a beer. Which I like. I like the idea. Like, managers just sitting in their office naked. Right. That's what I was wondering. That's like a thing. (laughs) I was watching this uh, documentary about baseball, and they were talking about famous Orioles manager Earl Weaver and how he used to just bring the press in to interview him after games and he'd just be totally nude in his office eating chicken and talking about baseball and they'd all be in there like suits you know talking about him. Do you think it's a power play kind of thing? That's like the most ultimate power move what? that you could possibly make is if you were someone is like trying to get your time while you're naked and they're wearing a suit. You know what I mean? Also like a 70s thing also, I feel like. Right. Nobody would do that now, right? Could you do that now? Could no, um... you definitely couldn't. Right. <laughs> well, this was also like back in the day where there were like no female like members of the training staff or like the press corps or the like, there were no women in baseball stadiums right. in the 70s. You know what I mean? Right. I think right. that's got a big thing to do with just, like, the changing culture. I mean, he does talk a lot about the broads in this book. Right. Yeah. I guess, you know, sports is still a bro culture, right? Male-dominated like that. But you do have the assistant coach of the San Antonio Spurs as a woman or whatever. Right. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Anyway, I would not want to see Whitey Hoodsog naked drinking a beer talking about baseball, but I thought that scene was kind of funny. Right. Um, so another part of the book that I thought was at least interesting was the story of David Clyde, the pitcher. Okay. Uh, David Clyde, I'm, I'm reading from the book again. David Wait, Clyde. Is this Horse Cock or no? No, this is a different pitcher. But he could have been David Clydesdale. Right. I know. I feel like they had a missed opportunity there. Yeah. This guy should have just had a bigger dick, apparently. (laughs) Right. Basically, this whole book is one dick measuring contest after. (laughs) 
Well, that also sounds like the 70s to me. Exactly. Yeah, very 70s in Texas. <laughs> David Clyde was a high school pitching phenom and number one choice in the amateur draft. And he would be pressed into immediate service as a starting pitcher in the major leagues. So that's what I think is interesting is the the uh, the Rangers and the owner Bob Short, who's actually pretty tall, right, are desperate <laughs> are desperate to get someone who's going to get butts in the seats. Okay, and that also got me thinking about back in the seventies how much attendance did drive revenue. Like, yeah. Bob Short did need people's butts and seats, whereas now I think it, it's kind of a red herring when you talk about how terrible the Reds or, or the Chicago White Sox attendance has been. Like, right. that that's not driving the bottom line. It's cable subscriptions. Right. Streaming media. And uh, so, they, so they bring David Clyde up out of high school, um, he, in high school, he went. He had a 35 and two record. He was 18 and 0 as a senior with 14 shutouts and five no hitters. So they draft him right out of high school and make him start pitching um, immediately. Sign him to a hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollar contract, which is like That's a good lot. money. Yeah. In the 70s. Uh, yeah, and that's the other thing. This is, like, right before the era of free agency. Right. Yeah. Um, and then they ruin his arm. Like, he, he has, like, a couple of good starts in his rookie summer, but they they pitch his arm off, and by the end of his second year, he's, like, washed up and can't, can't compete at the major league level. Um, so that's kind of sad. Right. Because they just have him come in like pitch every day all of a sudden. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay. So those are the two things I really wanted to talk about. Um, the other... So Hertog lasts for a while and then he gets fired because they suck. And then they hire Billy Martin. And Billy Martin has one really good year with the Rangers in 1974 when they finished right. above 500. And, right. and Billy Martin, uh, you know, he would go on to be the manager of the Yankees with uh, Reggie Jackson that whole era and would win World Series with the Yankees. And he's really kind of the villain of the book in the sense that the author feels like he basically leverages uh, his very brief success with the Texas Rangers into a job with the Yankees. Right. Okay, I've got a Wikipedia section about that. Are you ready for this? Ready. Uh, the 1974 Rangers won, went 84 and 76, um, finishing second in the West behind the eventual World Series champions, Oakland Athletics. Right. The 1974 Rangers are still, to this day, the only MLB team to finish above 500 after two consecutive 100-loss seasons. Um, Mike Hargrove was awarded American League Rookie of the Year on that team. Billy Martin was named AL Manager of the Year. Jeff Burroughs won AL MVP, and Ferguson Jenkins became Comeback Player of the Year. 
after winning 25 games, which is still a club record to Texas. Right. Um, and then they go back to losing the next year. Right. They Right. The team posted winning records again from 1977 to 1979, but fell short of reaching the playoffs. Yeah. And that season, that part's funny because there's a lot of Billy getting upset with his job and starting fights with the media for no reason whatsoever. Kind of right. just trying to get fired. Which I oh. thought was it. Yeah. Um... I'm trying to find this one other weird story that I, if I can find it, I'll read it to you. That's really like, uh, here it is. Um, oh no. When he, I like the part where he goes to like Chicago or New York or actually Minneapolis and describes, you know, staying in hotels and the, groupies who would like follow the players around and I don't know that kind of lifestyle there is some good parts to that but there's this one part I wish I could find it where he goes to Chicago and they're playing the White Sox and he's talking about he goes off about how Mayor Daly and all his mafia connections and then he finally gets to uh, meet Mayor Daly and then he, like, shakes his hand and doesn't talk to him. And I'm kind of like, cool story, bro. How yeah. you, like, met the mayor of Chicago for, like, five seconds. Right. And then, like, talked a bunch of shit behind his back after he was dead. Exactly. <laughs> um, and another thing is, like, the whole story takes place during... Um, what was it called? The Watergate scandals with uh, Richard right. Nixon. Yep. And so that's always like kind of on in the background. Like there's always a TV or radio on talking about Watergate. But, right. But like it doesn't affect what the Texas Rangers do at all. Right. Right. There's no like deeper meaning to baseball and Richard Nixon and Watergate. Right. Because the baseball players don't really give a shit. There's like one conservative guy and one liberal guy, and sometimes they get into fights. Yeah. That's it. For the most part, nobody gives a damn. Well, it's funny. It's like interesting in that era when that was when the uh, Oakland A's were a powerhouse. Yes. Right? With like Dennis Eckersley and, um, and, and Jackson. What? And Reggie Jackson. And Reggie Jackson. Yeah. yeah. And all of those guys with mustaches. They all had yeah. mustaches. And side they used to like they used to like go out and get drunk every night and get catfish into bar hunter. fights together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, catfish hunter. Yeah. And they'd like smoke crack and like get into bar fights with people. You know what I mean? Like Right. I thought this book was going to have more stuff like that. I was a little well, disappointed. This is, Texas. This is like our yes. in Texas. You know what I yes. mean? It's like they go and they like go to church and drink communion wine, probably. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this isn't San Francisco in the 70s. This is fucking Dallas in the 70s, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like, well, I guess, yeah. And then <laughs> went to a bar and had two Schlitzes. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. 
and last calls at 7.45 in the evening. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They did try to have cheerleaders for the, like, Dallas Cowboys-style cheerleaders for the Texas Rangers for a while. Didn't work out. Didn't work out. Anyway, um, so that's Seasons in Hell by Mike Shropshire. You know, maybe check it out from your library, but I wouldn't pay money on it. Um, they're all interesting scenes. He really likes going to spring training, and that's always his favorite part because he gets to go to Florida. He just loads his station wagon with beer and drives to Florida and doesn't really do his job. He's supposed to be covering the team. But he, he talks a lot about how he works an hour a day to write a story for the Fort Worth newspaper and then just spends the rest of the day drinking. Right, but why does he bring beer from Texas to Florida? I don't know. <laughs> you think that like they have better beer in Texas? I don't know. That's a- there's no way that they don't have beer in Florida. Like, Florida was, like, unaffected by prohibition, I'm pretty sure. You know what I mean? Like- <laughs> <laughs> and he talks about, like, the bar that he hangs out with Canadians. He spent a lot of time talking about all the Canadian tourists that don't right. know anything about baseball, and he thinks that's hilarious. Yeah, but they it's kind of hilarious. Yeah. Um, all right, we'll end with this story. Uh, he talks a little bit about going to, he was in Cleveland for the famous uh, 10 cent beer night where they had to stop the game early because all the fans got too drunk. Um, and then there's other story where they go to Cleveland and Texas pitcher uh, Jim Merritt uh, pitches like a one-hitter against the Cleveland Indians, right? Yep. And um, the first batter Merritt faced in the first inning, Buddy Bell, wrapped a simple two-hopper that Jim Fugosi picked up cleanly at third. But his throw to first sailed over Jim Spencer's head. They're all named Jim. Right. Jim Spencer's head by a good five feet. There is no such thing as a perfect game in Cleveland. Although the opening play was characteristic of the Rangers, it was not what was customarily expected of Fugosi since he had been transferred. Uh, Merritt pitched a three-hit shutout. So he, after that first play, Merritt pitched a three-hit shutout, effectively silencing the outfield drums. Because the Indians always had dudes in the outfield who would do Indian drums. Yeah, Yeah. I've seen Major League. Exactly. I was like, oh, it's Major League. (laughs) Anyway, so he wins. I've seen that movie. The, the Rangers have a three-hit shutout. And afterwards, Merritt was waiting in front of his locker for the uh, press. I'm announcing today, he said, that I am officially coming out of the closet. Then, Merritt reached inside his locker and produced a tube of KY jelly, a well-known lubricant sometimes used to enhance acts that some practitioners preferred to keep back in the closet. Okay, LOL, I guess. Wait, say that again? Because I didn't get that joke. It's it's a bad joke. So he announces that he's, quote, coming out of the closet. He takes out some lube, KY jelly. Yeah. And there's I a know. bad joke about KY. We all know what KY jelly is. And then 
It wasn't that. Jim Merritt was coming clean and confessing that his three-hit shutout against the Indians was accomplished because he was throwing um, spitballs. Uh. Yeah. So this guy throws a three-hit shutout and then says he called it his Gaylord Perry slider. So he can he he did it to try to get another pitcher in trouble because this other pitcher was doing this all the time, and this guy thought it wasn't safe. And his name is Gaylord Perry? Gaylord Perry was the guy that Jim Merritt was accusing of throwing spitballs. Right. It was basically, see, I can throw a three-hit shutout, too, if I've got loose balls in my I've, I've heard of this, yeah. yeah. It's interesting that he's, like, saying, I'm coming out of the closet just like Gaylord Perry. I, because... think, I think he's trying to make that joke. Oh, he is? I think so. Because Gaylord's like a real name. Yeah. It's just like not a name anymore, you know what I mean? Right. And Gaylord Perry was a very good pitcher, right? Right. Yeah. Anyway, Jim Merritt gets in trouble. All the other pitchers in the league get mad at him for trying to ruin the fact that everybody was covering their hands with lube and Really? I like to imagine that he was also like a very flamboyant leader of a fiefdom, though, too. You know what I mean? Like Gaylord Perry. Like a Gaylord. His name was Perry, but he was just <laughs> ruled over a certain <laughs> of land and was gay. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> Lord be- Perry. No, no, no. That's Gaylord Perry. <laughs> right. Anyway. USA Today described this book as being disastrously hilarious. I don't know. Yeah. Well, USA Today is not a great judge of things. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, what did the New York Times say about this book? Because, like... Right. Yeah. I mean, the it is funny that Bob Short is actually quite tall. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Seasons in Hell by Mike Shropshire. This has been the Dump on the Up uh, B-Block Book Club. Thanks for tuning in. Um, I think we should do this again. We're going to keep working on it, work on the system a little bit. And also find other books to read, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I have a couple. Yeah. We'll keep doing it. Last year we read, well, I really liked, last year uh, Sam read... The picture was a spy. Yeah. And that which was... Is, really which good. is worth reading. That book yeah. is legit. Yeah. And I read The Picture and the Dictator about... Um, what was his name? Patrick Sage playing in the DR. Patrick Sage. What did I say? Patrick Sage. Oh, weird. Yeah. Uh, you, re- you really dyslexic that thing up. That's really weird. <laughs> Satchel Page. Joe's a special uh, ed teacher, by the way. <laughs> that was bizarre. <laughs> um, it's getting late. Um, which was a very interesting book. I, I maybe I'd give that book a B. That was interesting. I just didn't like reading it. Right. Um, maybe I just don't like books. Yeah. You're more of a Netflix guy. I'm more of a Netflix guy. You're more of a fly to Australia and set a bushfire guy. You know what I mean? If I've got a vacation, well, at least I had something to read 
on the airplane. Right. The flight to Sydney is just long. <laughs> take it from me, it's real long. I mean, don't take it. Right. I, I've never no, been wouldn't know. I wouldn't know. <laughs> all right, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, thanks so much for listening. Once again, you can check us out on all your social media platforms. Uh, Apple iTunes, give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. Check it out on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash umpenhemp or Spotify. Uh, for Sam, my name is Joel. Thanks so much for listening. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. Yeah, I think Dildo Night would have been a good idea. I think what? They should have done a Dildo Night. I think that would have been a good idea. Dildo! 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 Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> D's and P's, Joe. D's and P's. <laughs> 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 <laughs>